Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. The goldsmith subjects that gold to intense heat and fire. Why? To burn, to bring to the surface all of the impurities. So that when the impurities come to the top, the goldsmith scrapes it off the top. And the goldsmith knows that he has pure gold when he can see his image in that gold. Can you connect those dots? You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. As Pastor J.D. discusses trials we face and the purposes for them, he compares our experience to that of gold going through the refining process. And just as gold must have its impurities removed before the goldsmith is finished with the process, so our impurities need to be removed and the image of God seen in us before we are delivered from the trial. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of this broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. On Sunday mornings, we're going through Paul's second epistle to the Corinthian church. And today, our text will be chapter 12, verses 14 and 15, just two verses today. Beginning in verse 14, where the Apostle Paul, from the heart really, writes to the Corinthians and says, Now I am ready to visit you for the third time, and I will not be a burden to you, because what I want is not your possessions, but you. After all, children should not have to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. So... I will very gladly spend for you everything I have and expend myself as well. And then he says this, If I love you more, will you love me less? So today's teaching is part five of a series I've titled, Why We Go Through Trials. For the benefit of those who may not have been with us from the beginning of this series, I want to just do a quick recap of sorts because I think it's going to be germane to our understanding of what Paul has to say in our text today. If you haven't noticed, it's been kind of intense, uh, gnarly, uh, for lack of a better word. He's really quite blunt. It's been suggested that Paul is quite hurt by these Corinthian Christians, and that's why he writes what he writes in the end of this epistle. The first reason as to why we go through trials is that they enable us to see what it is that God desires to show to us. I suppose you could say that one of the reasons God allows trials into our lives is because that's the only way he can get our attention. And certainly this was the case with the Apostle Paul in verses 1 through 4, where he describes being caught up to the third heaven, where God showed him inexpressible things, things that he was not permitted to even speak, unspeakable things. What's interesting to note about this is that Paul would have never seen this heavenly vision 
had it not been for this life and death trial that he was in. And by life and death, I mean when he was stoned and left for dead 14 years prior outside of Lystra. You might say that now God has Paul's attention. He's going to show Paul what he desires to minister to him. In verses 5 through 7, we found our second reason, and it's that trials protect us from becoming puffed up with pride and becoming arrogant. Here, Paul says that God gave him this thorn in his flesh. We don't know what it was, but we know that it was a messenger of Satan to torment him. And Paul says that it was given to him because God wanted to keep him humble Uh, and protect him from pride after having received this heavenly vision. The third reason is that trials keep us prayerfully and all add humbly dependent upon the Lord. In verses 8 through 10, Paul says that God would not take this thorn from him because his grace is sufficient and his power is made perfect in weakness. Last week, we looked at a fourth reason for trials in verses 11 through 13, which is that they produce in us perseverance. It's interesting because the very thing that we need to get through the trial is the very thing that we are given in the midst of the trial, perseverance. In other words, I need perseverance to get through the trial. How am I going to get perseverance? Oh, in the trial. (laughs) It's in the trial that I'm given that perseverance. This is what Paul tells them. He says that he persevered in demonstrating among them the marks of a true apostle in signs and wonders and miracles. Well, that brings us to our text today and what I am really looking forward to talking about what I really believe the Lord has for us today with this fifth reason as to why it is that God allows trials into our lives. It's that trials make us more like Jesus Christ. In verse 14, Paul tells them that he doesn't want to be a financial burden to them when he comes to visit them, which will be now for the third time. And then he says that he doesn't want their money He just wants them. And he says the reason is because he sees himself as a spiritual father, which is why he says that children don't lay up for their parents. Rather, the parents lay up for their children. As I was preparing uh, for today's teaching, my 16-year-old son, Levi, noticed this verse. He said, did you see what that says, Baba? I said, yeah. I said, why? He said, well, it's, it looks like that, that children don't lay up for their parents and uh, parents lay up for their ch-. I said, I know, I know. He said, so uh, stop asking me to pay, uh, help out uh, to pay with uh, some of the bills. I said, okay, I will. <laughs> He's making good money now. He has a great job. And, and so uh, anyway, enough of my problems. Let's move on. Verse 15, <laughs> Paul goes on to say that he will gladly spend and even be spent for their souls, though the more abundantly he loves them, the less he is loved. How sad is that? The reason I only wanted to take and tackle two verses today is because I believe that being more like Christ is one of the main purposes 
for our trials. I would even say not just one of the main purposes, but it's even the main purpose for the trials that we go through in our lives. Here in our text, it's as if Paul is rising from the pages of our Bible as an example to us of one who has the heart of Jesus in his Christ-likeness, in his love for these Corinthian Christians. Like Jesus, Paul wanted nothing from them. He only wanted them. Paul did not want what they could do for him. Paul was a servant for them in his love for them, even though he was not loved by them. That's the heart of Jesus. That to me is a great example of Christ-likeness. What's the fruit of the Spirit love? What did Jesus say would be the mark that would identify us as his disciples? Our love one for another. And this again is why I believe it is that the main purpose for God allowing those trials in our lives is to make us more like Jesus Christ. Of Paul's Christ-likeness, Alan Redpath said it best this way. Paul is only a faint shadow of the Lord Jesus. And if these qualities are found in his life, it is only because they were found completely in the life of Jesus Christ, our Lord. After all that Paul had went through, and this is, by the way, how it was that these Christ-like qualities were built into the life of the Apostle Paul. And it's how they are built into our lives. It comes by way of the affliction. It comes by way of those painful trials. And we even had a list of all the difficulty, all the affliction, all the pain, and all the suffering that Paul had experienced. All the shipwrecks, all the beatings, all the imprisonments, and all of those things, all of that affliction, all of those trials is what built the Christ-like qualities into the life of the Apostle Paul. In other words, all the pain, all the suffering that Paul had endured in those fiery trials served the purpose The purpose of those trials was to make him more like Jesus. Is this not Romans 8.28? It's Romans 8.29 too. It's Romans 8.30 and Romans 8.31 and Romans 8.32 too. We always like to isolate Romans 8.28, but we really need the context here because it fills in the blanks and in so doing shows us the purpose of those trials that God works together for the good. Let me read it beginning in verse 28, Paul writing to the church in Rome. He says, and we know, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. And verse 29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed, here it is, conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. 
Moreover, verse 30, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? And I love this. If God is for us, who can be against us? Do you feel like that everything is against you? I think of Jacob who, unbeknownst to him, concerning his son whom he loved so much, Joseph, unbeknownst to him, he's about to see Joseph again. He thought Joseph was dead. And he makes this statement, and it is so apropos for those who are in such a painful and difficult trial. He says, everything is against me. First is Joseph, now it's Benjamin. Everything is against me. Oh, Jacob, just wait. You'll see God is working this together for the good. This is the purpose. This is for your good and God's glory. Everything might seem to be against you. All of the circumstances that are you're experiencing in your life may seem to contradict the goodness of God, but you'll see. I think of what David wrote in Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14. He says, I'm still confident of this. What are you confident of, David? Oh, that I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's this side of heaven. It brings us little comfort when we're in the midst of a trial to know that heaven awaits and all of the glory and all of the suffering of this life is not worthy to be compared with the glory that awaits. But when you tell me that I'll see the goodness of the Lord this side of heaven, well, that's encouraging to me. That gives me hope. And David says this, it's almost like he's having a talk with himself. That's different than self-talk, by the way. This is what I love about the Psalms. You see David in there. First of all, it's the self-talk. Oh, my soul. You know, he's in such despair. And the the psalm starts off with, I mean, it's so depressing. And you're thinking, oh, my goodness, this is bad. I think about Psalm 6 where David cries out to the Lord, oh, Lord, how long? He's so overwhelmed. He's being crushed under the weight of the trials that he's in. And then by the time you get to the end of the psalm, instead of self-talk, stinking thinking, as one called it, <laughs> he has a talk with himself. It's just almost as if he says, sit down, boy. I want to talk to you, boy. He's talking to himself. Oh, my soul, why be so discouraged? Why be in such dismay? You again will have reason to praise the Lord. You'll see. Take heart. Wait upon the Lord. Be strong. Be of good courage. You'll see. You'll see the goodness of the Lord. You can be confident in it. God is going to work this together for the good. You'll see. Just wait. You'll see. And here's why. Yeah, it might seem that everything is against us. But like Jacob, you'll see. Verse 32, Paul goes on and says, and this is important. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? James says, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. God has good for you. 
even in this, as bad as it is. One of the things the Lord has ministered to me over the years is that no matter how bad it is, it cannot change how good God always is. And if you think about this, verse 32, when Paul tells them that if God's not going to spare his own son, doesn't that mean that there's nothing he won't spare? I mean, if he's going to give you his only begotten son to die for you, is there anything outside the scope of what God will do? I mean, we it's interesting in our innate within us, in our sin nature, we say that we trust God for our salvation, but yet we can't trust God for next month's rent. God did not spare his own son. Why would he not give you that too? If it's good, God's going to give it to you. The problem is, is that we want God to give it to us now, today. Not later, because that means we have to wait. And don't we hate to wait? Well, that's what David said, wait. You need to wait on the Lord. I think about what Isaiah says, that, I think it's chapter 30, verse 18. He says, the Lord will wait. (laughs) You don't want the Lord to wait. The Lord will wait, why? So that he can be gracious unto you. Sometimes God will allow you to go through a trial and it just seems like, oh Lord, how long? Just wait. Just wait. If if I were to do it now, I would rob you of that which I have for you, if you will but wait. You'll say. You'll say. Ben said that God's delays are not God's denials. And when God delays, he does so because he has something better. Here's the bottom line. God's purpose in our trials is to conform us into the image of Christ. And the way he does it is by way of affliction and trials. Oh, how I wish there were another way. I wish I could take a pill that would make me more like Christ. (laughs) Of course, then it would have side effects, I'm sure. And like on TV, and they play that. They have to play that melodic and almost hypnotic music in the background as they're telling you and rattling off very fast. Have you noticed all of the side effects? Because they don't want you to really hear. They want you to listen to the music. Ah, you know. But meanwhile, they're telling you that the side effects are internal bleeding, uh, death in some cases, uh, you know, heart attack, stroke. You know, I'm thinking, wow, really? <laughs> and I want to take this for my headache? Are you kidding me? I think I'll stick with the headache. But anyway... There's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. This is the way that God does it. And here's why. The fiery affliction that comes vis-a-vis the testing of our faith is more precious than gold that perishes. This is what the Apostle Peter wrote in his first epistle, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. He says, kind of echoes what James says about considering a pure joy when you encounter various trials. Peter says, in this you greatly rejoice. I want to come back to that. Hang on to that. 
Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? In other words, our faith is more precious than gold. And you know what a goldsmith does, right? The goldsmith subjects that gold to intense heat and fire. Why? To burn, to bring to the surface all of the impurities. So that when the impurities come to the top, the goldsmith scrapes it off the top and the goldsmith knows that he has pure gold when he can see his image in that gold. Can you connect those dots? That's why God subjects us to those fiery trials. He's getting all of the impurities out of our life. He's conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. He's scraping off of the top the the impurities that he might see his image in us, his likeness in us. The problem is, is that we fight it. We fight it. Isaiah 48.10 says, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Would you agree that we're prone oftentimes to do everything we can to avoid pain and suffering? I mean, who amongst us actually considers it pure joy? Who amongst us rejoices, as Peter says, when, though for a season, we encounter these these trials? You have to understand that joy is different than happiness. Happiness comes from the word happenstance. It's based on circumstance. In other words, if things are going well in my life, I can be happy. But when things are not going well in my life, then I'm not happy. That's different than joy. Joy is not predicated upon the circumstances in my life. Does that mean that it is actually possible to have joy in the midst of the trial? Absolutely. Well, wait a minute. (laughs) Think about this. So if I don't have joy in the midst of the trial, and the only time I'm ever rejoicing, the only time I'm happy is when things are going well, then can I ask you, how often are you going to be happy? If the only time I experience joy, the only time I'm rejoicing and praising God is when things are going well, I'm a pretty unhappy person most of the time. Because most of the time, I'm going through difficulty. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. If you'd like to learn more about the Apostle Paul's letter, we encourage you to continue reading ahead. As you do, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the truths and promises contained in its verses to you. You can also hear additional messages from Pastor J.D. on this book by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Listen online or download these teachings to have available anytime. 
we've also created a mobile app as well for Apple and Android devices. So you can take Pastor JD's teachings with you on the go. We'd also like to point you to the Aloha Prophecy Update tab on our website. And with more information, here's Pastor JD. Thank you, Josh. One of the main reasons we do these prophecy updates is that we believe the rapture of the church can happen at any time. In fact, it may actually be closer than we even realize with all the things that are taking place in the world today. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 28, Jesus said that when we see these things begin to come to pass, that we should look up and lift up our heads, knowing that our redemption draws nigh. We believe that Jesus was referring to that which is now happening in the world, especially geopolitically. It's my hope and prayer that these prophecy updates will be a source of encouragement to you as a listener, not only to ready you and steady you, but to share with others the lateness of the hour in these the last days of human history as we know it. Thank you ever so much for listening. I hope you will join us every week here at In Spirit and Truth Radio. Thanks, Pastor J.D. Head on over to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com to access these updates. And be sure to join us next time on In Spirit and Truth for more from the book of 2 Corinthians.